This is the remix. Steps up, throws it under duress, and it is intercepted. Cam Sutton takes it away from Hunter Renfro, and this is bye-bye ball game. First time you lost three in a row since you're... Anybody else here? There's a possibility that we would we, we would do the right thing regardless of the position. Everybody, you know, can do better, and I, I'm sure he'd be the first one to tell you that he could do the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think we go into each game, and the first key in every game is take care of the football. And I think that's for everybody, whether it's Josh Jacobs running the ball in terms of fumbles, or Devonta Adams in terms of securing the catch, Matt Collins, the offensive line staying inside out. So that's the first thing we talk about in terms of taking care of the football. I think that's everybody. So I think Derek be the first one to tell you. And I think he told you that after the game, like you know, just make sure we, you know, that we take care of the ball on a consistent basis, and you know, that would clean a lot of things up for everybody. Well, you know, I, actually, I, you know, I coached Jarrett in New England. We drafted him in 2019 when I was coaching with Josh there, and um, yeah, Josh. Um, I mean, Jarrett comes in every day, works, works extremely hard, um, does a really good job on the scout team, giving the defense a good look, and prepares. As if, you know, just like Derek Carr prepares, just like Chase Carver prepares. You know, takes in the opponent, make sure he knows the defense because, you know, he has to make sure he's ready to go just like everybody else does, just like, you know, Zimmer White does to do a running back because you never know what, you know, he's got to be ready, prepared to play. If you're active at the game, you have to be ready to play. So he makes sure he does it every single week. Just crush my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. So before we get to some more Raiders here, uh, Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins coach, is been talking to the media this morning. Uh, first off, he confirmed that Tua did suffer a concussion in Sunday's game against the Packers. I don't know if it was the play, but it, there's been um, videos posted. When of when he got tackled and his head tackled, hits hit his head, yeah. the uh, ground. Um, two, they are going to start Teddy Bridgewater on Sunday. Dolphins are currently the seventh seed in the AFC. They are going to New England, who is still in the playoff hunt. Uh, and they're starting Teddy Bridgewater in that game. But this was the tweet that stuck out to me. Uh, this is from Marcel Louis-Jacques, who said, McDaniels said he's been advised by medical professionals that it's critical Tua worries about the day he's in and nothing else. The, Jesus so, Christ, so that's he, scary. he worries about it's Wednesday and I can't worry about anything else? Yeah. Like again, be present, be present, yeah. be present, because like, your brain may start to wander. Right. Like I'm not obviously we, we didn't see the McDaniel press conference. We're here doing our radio show, but just the w- the way that tweet is phrased, like Jared's saying, that is scary, right? So uh, Tua's not playing this weekend. Tua should probably not play the rest of, and the he'll season. be back next week. <laughs> uh that is three concussions that we know of in one season. And now you're getting fairly ominous quotes about worrying about the day you're in and nothing else. So I am guessing his season is over regardless of what the dolphins do. Yeah. Um, but it is the NFL. So I probably shouldn't be surprised if Tua is out there in week 18 or in round no, one week, of the playoffs. In the playoffs if they get in right. If he is cleared, uh, but there are some updates on Tua who, again, has suffered three concussions this season. Um, Now, on the Raiders, I have asked you this question many times throughout the year, but the Raiders continue to produce hilarious losses that make it a valid question, at least in my mind, a valid question. Do you believe anyone's minds has changed on Josh McDaniels' job security? Not to the point where anything's going to happen to him. Now, 
internally, as Mark Davis sits there every week and sees this every week, he might be starting to question it, but he's not going to do anything with these guys. He will not admit uh, this was a bad move after just one year and move on from these guys. Is that all it is, that Mark Davis refuses to admit I messed up basically 12 months I afterwards? I don't know if it's 100% um, that. I don't know if it's 50-50 and that he still has some belief in them and and thinks that this could turn around. Uh, Jared just made a good sign, the money sign, um, in terms of do you want to just keep paying these guys? He's already paying Gruden. Now you're paying these guys if you let them go. And I know he has a lot of money, um, but still you get into a point where you're paying three three uh, coaches and three GMs. Um, I don't. I, I, I don't think anything happens to them, and I'm not so sure it's not a 50-50 proposition where he will not make a change after one year because he does not want to do that and admit that it was a mistake. And two, he might still have some faith that they can get the job done. But I don't think it's 100% either way. That last point is the key question to me. If, if you're Mark Davis and you're making the decision about your head coach, what do you look at from Josh McDaniels and have confidence or have faith that he is going to be a good coach because he, he failed in Denver and granted that was a decade ago, but he, he failed. He's, he's been a head coach before and failed. And now they failed this year, right? Like this is regardless of what happened. This is not a successful season. They thought they were a playoff team and they're not. And you're sitting here looking around like what has McDaniels done and the way they've lost this year has been hilariously bad, not hilarious. If you're Mark Davis, it's just like, if you're, if you're Davis and you're trying to convince yourself, I just don't know what you hold on to. I don't know what is, what you have seen from McDaniels that you say, Oh, this is why I'm keeping him. Like with the take to use the example with the Broncos and Russell Wilson, right? When their GM says he's fixable, obviously he's saying that because Russell Wilson cap wise is going to be on their team. He has to be fixable in their eyes. But if you're the Broncos, you can at least look at it and say, well, he was a top five quarterback, right? We've we've seen that out of Russell Wilson. Like, there's reason, there's something you can hold on to and believe that it can happen again. What is that with Josh McDaniels? Like, if you're Mark Davis, what about McDaniels are you holding on to and saying, this is why it's going to work in 2023 well, or beyond? I don't know if there's any of that there other than I just don't think he'd want to make a move after one season. I don't know if there's any of that there in terms of, boy... I can see through these losses and all these close losses. Has he talked himself into we're that close? We almost won all those yeah, games. Yeah, I mean, has he, we talked, almost himself, beat Jeff has he talked himself into that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's talked himself into that. I, I don't know what they're telling him in terms of, hey, this is why this is happening, and he's taking them at their word, and he's believing what they're saying. The absolute funniest part about, because we're going to do this at the end of the season, about oh, the Raiders were close, right? Look how many one-score games they lost. Their last three wins have all been walk-off wins. Two yeah. in overtime and the hilarious play by the New England Patriots. Like, they're they're currently six and nine. And if you want to play the game of, well, we were close against uh, the Rams and the Steelers and the Chiefs and the Jags and the Cards, like, you can do it the opposite way. Mm-hmm. The, this team That's what is, I'm actively doing with the Vikings. This team is three plays away from being three and twelve. 
probably a better uh which would be better for position. them yeah they, we we would be talking we about cj yeah, and, and bryce young we'd be going into this weekend saying would can, the, texans the texans win another one? another car like <laughs> if we traded them a car would they take it we'd be going into this weekend saying if the texans can win another game the raiders might sneak into that top track. like that's what we would be talking about um because let me again complete hypothetical if they're three and 12 is mcdaniel's fired I don't think he's fired. God, I don't man. think he's, man. I don't. I don't. What because would he I have think, to do? To because have I think fired. he convinced them that C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young would be the guy, and that they're going to get a great young quarterback, and they're going to build around him because they'll have a lot more money if they release Carr, like you said earlier in the show, and that they would convince him we're going to use that thirty million and put a great team around this young kid, and we're going to build under him, and I think he would accept that. I think he and if that. I was Davis and you were three and twelve, I'd say, "Yeah, we're going to do that, just not with you." <laughs> like, thanks for the game plan. We're going to do that. Thanks for the game plan. Somebody else is in charge of this ship now. <laughs> My other question, and I'm, we so McDaniel's in Denver didn't work out, and we have seen multiple players from that time have come out and been like, "Yeah, this was not great." McDaniel's did whatever. The great uh, threat, I can't remember the, the former player, but basically about the motivational speeches or the motivational posters. And he would ask right. you to recite right. them. And if you got it wrong, you'd get yelled at the uh, example of, Hey, I talked to my position coach at the end of the year. And my position coach was like, I'm just, I got to get the hell out of here. I cannot be under McDaniels McDaniels and player management didn't exactly go well in Denver. I'm curious if you're Mark Davis, do you care at all what the players of this team say about McDaniels? I don't know if, I don't know if owners get to that level. I think owners look, watch the games and talk to the GM and talk to the coaches and, and that's it. make up their own mind. And I'll say, I will say this um, because he did say, he said often that he grew and matured from the Denver experience. Unless they're not telling the truth, he has seemed to grow in terms of the relationship with the players. Right. Because the players, all the players, to us in the media publicly are completely behind him. And I don't. I haven't seen any discontent on that. And now there has been discontent. I shouldn't say that because there has been discontent after some of these losses. We saw Josh Jacobs last week. I think questioning game plans in that sense. But during the week, they're all behind him. So maybe he's grown in that sense. So, given the way it ended in Denver, and maybe Mark Davis doesn't do this like you said. Maybe you're the owner. Doesn't walk and, around and, it, and it, ask guys. You stay at the head coach and GM level. But I would be curious if. Maybe it can start now, but into the season, whatever. If Mark Davis talks to Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, or Max Crosby, or Josh Jacobs, whoever, and likes it gets their honest opinion, what did you think of Josh McDaniels as n- not necessarily like uh, his strategy or his schemes? Just what this did you think guy? of him as he's your head coach, he's your leader? And I would wonder if their opinion sh- would or should carry any weight because given the way it ended in Denver. If Carr and Jacobs and Adams and Crosby, if like the best players on this team, the leaders of this team came to you and were like, this guy is exhausting. This guy is, he's doing this. And it's what like, I would think then if you're Mark Davis, even if you don't plan on having Carr back, even if Jacobs a free agent, you'd be like, wow, the best players on this team did not like having him as the, the coach, as the leader. I got to make a change. Or on the flip side, wouldn't you have a talk with him first? Probably. But on the flip side, like, I asked, like, what are you holding on to if you're Mark Davis to see, like, oh, McDaniels might work? If you talk to Carr and Adams and Jacobs and Crosby, and they were like, listen, maybe maybe some play calls weren't great. Maybe we lost a game because we didn't make the right adjustment or something, but we love this guy. We think right. this guy's great. Like, right. he's a great leader. We think, like, then maybe you're like, okay, like, 
ever, the players like him, like they think we're on the right path. We just need to make some better adjustment in the third quarter of games right. or something, or Derek Carr not to throw three picks in the second half of a cold game. Like you're just like, ah, we're close and the players like him. Then maybe that's what you hold on to as to why it could be better in the future under McDaniels. Can I do a conspiracy theory? The reason during the game against Pittsburgh, he didn't give Josh Jacobs the ball was so that when he goes into the meeting, he goes, look, I gave Derek Carr 30 shots to win us that game in Pittsburgh. You saw how he played. I would have, if it were up to me, I would have just given the ball to Josh Jacobs. But, hey, you wanted me to show you what we could do with Carr. I showed you. Yeah, Davis has nine years of what they can do with Carr. He should know by now. Especially in cold weather. Yeah. I know. I I just thought it was funny because the comments he had afterwards on his Monday press conference were were literally like, I I love Josh Jacobs. He should have gotten more carries. And it was just like. Dude, doubled, that's a he, you. You du- did that. He doubled down on Josh. There's no question about that. He doubled down with the positivity on Josh. He didn't do so much with Derek. Mm, what was there to be positive about? Well, <laughs> I mean, he's very nice. His 14 well, interceptions. He, he appears nice. He hasn't, Jared, by the way, he hasn't lost a fumble the entire season. Yeah, one of only two or three quarterbacks who haven't lost a fumble. He's throwing more picks than anybody in the league, <laughs> right. but he has not lost, lost a fumble. fumble. Hey, I... I I have watched multiple times him fumble and an offensive lineman just dive at his feet to go get that ball. So, good work, O-line coach. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. And that's how you scrabble. Bischoff's Briefs today has a question for you. Who loses more games this season, the Raiders or the running Rebels? Okay, so the Rebels, we had them, uh, let's say, 12-6, and 6-7, six, six, one in the conference tournament. I'm getting to eight. Oh, I'm going to say the Raiders because they still have two they left. They do. They do have they two still more. have two left. They and it's San Francisco more. and Kansas City. Yeah. It's not, it's not, because uh, even Baker at 12 Mayfield. and 6, you've gotten to seven losses, right? Yep. You can win a game in the conference tournament, at least one. Well, winning one doesn't matter if we're just looking at losses. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it would be one less game that you could lose. That you yeah. would lose. I'm going to say the Raiders. So, Raiders are currently six yep. and nine. Um, obviously, that means they can end up with eleven losses with two games left or nine. I'm going to say the Raiders go seven and ten. Right, just okay. for the sake of the the rest of this conversation, they finished seven and ten. So ten losses is what we're getting to. And Unovi has one at the moment. One loss. They have eighteen regular season games left. Unless uh, uh, they'll lose a game in the Mountain West tournament, unless they win that whole thing. But they'll right. lose a game right. there when they get eliminated, and then if they make the NIT or the NCA tournament, they'll lose another game. Unless obviously, of course, again they win the whole thing. So. 18 conference games already have one loss. If they go 12 and six in Mountain West play, that's seven losses going into the postseason. Then the most they can lose is nine, right? They because you lose right. one in the Mountain West, West tournament, tournament one in and in a postseason yeah, tournament, and that is it. You end the season with nine losses. I guess technically they can go to the CBI where they play a three game series to decide uh, the champion. But they would say no to that. <laughs> they would say no. They would not so, go to that. If they go 12 and 6 in Mountain West play, then the most losses they can have 
is nine, nine, which is what the Raiders already have. And I assume the Raiders aren't going to win both of the last two games would mean UNLV Even has so. a uh, fewer losses than the Raiders do this season. So can they go 12 and six? Yeah, I think they can. I think they can. Uh, I'll tell you at the current moment, Ken Palm projects them to be a 10 and eight Mountain West team. Right now they do. Right now. So to give you the Ken Palm uh, conference record projections, San Diego State, 13 and five, Utah State, 12 and six, New Mexico, 11 and seven, Boise State, 10 and eight, UNLV, 10 and eight, Nevada and Colorado State, nine and nine. Uh, So now to give you some of these percentages here, right? UNLV's got a game like they're. Their game against, uh, wait, I'm on San Jose State, not UNLV. UNLV's game uh, against, where's a good one? Boise State, 56% chance to win. Uh, Fresno State, 57% chance to win. Colorado State, 45%. Wyoming, 55 Like They've got a lot of toss-up games. So if they're good, right, they win a couple more toss-up games and they're 12-6 and six instead of 10-8. and eight. What do they have for a score for Saturday? Uh, 71-68 San Diego State. Three-point margin. Uh, but in favor of the Aztecs, a 41% chance to win that game. So not 50-50, but not 60-40. A complete toss-up. Right, 60-40, close to a toss-up. So if UNLV goes 10-8, and eight, then they uh, lose a game in the Mountain West Tournament. Nine, then they've got... They've, that's 10, because they already 10, have one. Yeah. And they would have lost... It, then it depends on what the Raiders do these last right. two games. If they lose both of them, the UNLV still probably wins. Because if UNLV goes 10-8... and eight, they're probably not in the NCAA tournament, and they might not be in the NIT either right. if they go 10 and 8. So that would, they might not be in anything at all, and they end up with the same amount of losses as the Raiders. But I do think that's a very fun question because of how close it's likely to be between the Raiders and UNLV basketball as far as how many losses do they end up with this season. That loss to San Francisco really hurts. Oh, if, yeah. they, if they didn't lose that yes. game... Obviously, for the NCAA tournament, it might hurt. But just for this fun question, I think it's then UNLV. It would be UNLV fewer easy, losses. UNLV have fewer losses. Right. Because then, even if you go 10 and 8 in conference play, right, you, you lose one in the Mountain West tournament, you got nine, and that's going to be less than what the Raiders have at the end of the season. So that's a uh, fun game to play, fun game to look back on and wonder what their record is at the end of the season and how it compares. I'll, oh, I forgot to do this. Bad show prep on my part. What if we included the Las Vegas Aces? In terms of losses? Yeah, they play... How uh, many games do they get? They're, they're more games. They're playing 40. Last year, 36 games, they went 26-10. and 10. Re- Just regular season, not including the postseason. They went 26-10. and 10. And this year they get 40? This year there's more games. They play 40. Can they go 30-10? and 10? I'm going to say no. It's a big number. I'm going to say 30 no. 30-10 is a big that's number. That's a really big number for them. Is... is even if they're the defending champion yeah. and they're still the best team. I think Aces can go 30 and 10 if they are fully healthy the entire year, which doesn't really happen in sports, right? They're going to somebody's going to get hurt and miss 2 weeks a month or something like that and it, you know, or you just play poor for a week or so. Right. And you end up not doing it, which by the way, with UNLV basketball, that's what's fun about this. UNLV basketball can actually probably afford a two-week slump where they go like one and three and still go 10 and eight in the conference right. or 12 and six, right? Like they can actually, they've their record has been so good that they can actually kind of slump here 
and still end up with fewer losses than the Raiders because the Raiders have nine already and probably are ending up with 10 or 11. But this year, there's a good chance UNLV basketball, the Raiders, and the Aces all end up with like 10, 11 losses. Right around the same amount of losses, right. which is not good for the football team that plays 17 games. Really not games. good for the Raiders. <laughs> when the, bas- 17 the-, plays, the basketball team plays 30. They'll play probably 35 or so to end the year after conference tournaments. And the Aces and play 40. And the Aces play 40. Not ideal. That's not good. Yeah, not great. Actually, even if you included the eight, what did they lose? Three total postseason games? They the lost, Aces? Or it was two, right? They lost yes. one in the finals and they lost one in the semis, yes. right? And that was it. So it's still only 12. Obviously, the Raiders can't get to 12, but it's still only 12 sure? total losses. <laughs> Do we get a we final sure? um, Raiders-Broncos winner gets the higher draft pick game? <laughs> if the Broncos had a draft pick. <laughs> oh, that's the, Raiders right. the Seahawks sit down there. Here's Gino. Go, go get us a higher draft pick, please. That'd be fun. I would want that. That should be the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl needs to have some sort of draft pick compensation attached to it. On which side wins? I don't know how you do this because it's always AFC versus NFC and there's like two guys from a team, but somehow there needs to be like dodgeball for a high, the teams that are tied right at the end of the year, everybody that's seven and 10 were picking between eight and 10, but you're all tied for eight, nine and 10. I don't know what we're doing. Your best player plays dodgeball or something, and whoever wins gets the eight pick, and whoever <laughs> loses gets the nine, nine pick. pick. I don't know how to – we got to figure this out. That would well, look, actually – As crazy as they're making the Pro Bowl, that wouldn't be completely out of the realm. I'm all on board for this, right? I've got zero interest in the Pro Bowl. I Even now that it's going to be dodgeball and whatever, whatever else they're doing. Flag. Uh, they're even getting rid of the – or no, it is going to be flag football, yeah. Uh, give me somehow uh, two teams Pro Bowl representatives are competing in tug of war. I don't know what Free the answer contest. is. Right. And the winner gets the higher draft yeah. pick. Because the absolute funniest part of that is you'd have guys who might not be on that team next year competing <laughs> for their draft pick, which would be great. So there, I have fixed the Pro Bowl. Put draft pick compensation or draft pick status on the line. On some kind of Oh, lunatic. yeah. And remember, the all-star game in baseball is like home field advantage of the World Series. This is way better than that. This oh, is draft yeah. pick. People will be people will be locked into that damn oh, dodgeball man. game. As much as they look forward to the draft and how serious oh. they take those picks and where they play. Locked in. Oh, yeah. And, you, and you'd be furious that, I don't know, Jerry Judy of the Broncos isn't very good at shooting <laughs> free throws or something. You'd be like, what the hell? And here, here's the other part. Teams do not get to know what contest is going to be deciding. No, you don't want to practice. Yeah, yeah. You just show up, and it's like, all right, who's your pro bowler? A left tackle? Sorry, it's a 40-yard dash yeah. today. Ugh, too bad. Oh, closest, my God. They're going to get the first overall pick on a croquet shot? <laughs> I was going to say, golfing, one end to the other, closest to the pin. I, I have fixed the pro bowl. You are welcome, NFL. Coming up next, Danny Webster joins the show. Petrangelo ahead, banks it down the left side, it's into the trapezoid, down he pulls it loose, can't clear, Petrangelo cut it off, rattled off the king, it's sent towards the empty net, and in! Arvidsson, empty net goal, 4-2 Kings, 26 seconds to play. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Brady and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Danny Webster. All right, Danny, over under Alex Petrangelo minutes tonight, 25 and a half. I can see that hitting over. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. This poor guy's going to be falling down. Okay. Uh, 
Is there, like, should Bruce Cassidy be legitimately concerned with how many minutes he's playing Petrangelo? And also, he's done it with his forward lines a couple of times where the stone line or the misfit line plays a ridiculous number of minutes. Like, it's late December. The playoffs are a long ways away. Should he be more concerned about how many minutes he plays those guys? You know what? I think last night was one of those weird situations where he had to play whoever he had to play just to, I think, get a spark, considering the fact that Martinez went out for the last, what, two periods, and Miramanov, I think, what, he took a shot to the face. So you're, you're already running low on D, so of course you gotta, you got to play your top defenseman in that situation. So it wouldn't shock me, especially if Martinez doesn't go tonight, that if he were to play the top guys a little bit more, I think that is something to be expected. But I also think that the way that he's been playing since returning back to the lineup, it really doesn't surprise me that he's playing a little bit more. So I, I, I can see where you got a little give and take there. How about Big Amadio? What do you think of him? Keep with him? <laughs> Keep with him on the top line, even when Jack Eichel comes Sure, yeah, why that, not? That's, Get that uh, Eichel kid down to take care of uh, Phil Kessel's spot. Get I him know, out. right? Um, he's been great. He's been... It, it, I think a lot of people forgot that he was really good at scoring last year when Vegas needed a pinch. And so far, you know, playing with guys like Stone and Stevenson, it's really paid off for him. He looks very comfortable. He's very patient on that top line. And like we saw last night, he's really good on the power plays. So, so far, so good for him. This team is in first place. They were also in first place even later than this last season. And then they had a whole bunch of injuries and missed the playoffs. Jack Eichel's out. Jonathan Marshall missed the game last night. They lost Alec Martinez again. Zach Whitecloud, Shea Theodore. The injuries are piling up. What are the odds last year repeats itself? Uh, you, you like to think hope not. But, I mean, we did talk about injuries being the problem last year. And so far... To be to be able to win the games the way that they have, I think, has kind of put it at ease a little bit. Um, but obviously, with the unknown of Jack Eichel, whenever he's coming back, uh, hopefully Marcel comes back for them tonight. It looks like he made the trip, so he could be an option uh, later tonight. So you'd like to think that they're probably getting on the right track with injuries if, within the next few weeks or so. But the Eichel one is a little vague to me. It, it's been what day to day for a few weeks now. So it is kind of a little bit of a big situation to me, but I think the fact that they're getting it out of the way now as to what we've seen this team operate at full strength, I think that that is at least boding some good sign for them. How much does it help this year that the Pacific and let's be honest, the entire Western conference does not feel like some juggernaut of like all these great teams. Oh, it absolutely helps a lot. And I think when you look at a team like Colorado and the injuries that they've dealt with and the questions that they've had at goaltending, you know, you look at the West right now, and I think right now what the top two teams would be Vegas and Dallas right now. I, I think the fact that the the competition in the Pacific has taken a nosedive as well, I don't think a lot of people expected Calgary to kind of, I don't want to say nosedive, but they haven't been as good as I think a lot of people expect them to be. Edmonton, the same thing, both the questions of goaltending with both of those teams and Seattle and LA are still right there. I, I think the fact that the West as currently constructed being so wide open definitely does play a factor in that. Who is the uh, Golden Knights biggest threat in the entire Western conference? If you're picking who's going to be in the Western conference final, who would it be? <sighs> I think I'm always of the mindset that until somebody knocks them out of the playoffs, you can't ever go against the champs. So I think Colorado, if they get healthy and they get something going, I think that they remain 
the biggest threat for right now. I think if you had to have me go away from that, Dallas just looks so good right now. Jason Robertson's playing like the MVP of the league, and Jake Ottinger is, is slowly getting back to form where he was. So I, I would say one of the two of Dallas or Colorado. Oh, man, I want Petey DeBoer. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Pete DeBoer against the Golden Knights. Would that be classic? Could you also oh, get Cassidy against the Bruins in the final? Yeah, back-to-back. Yeah, That'd be, be hilarious. Fun. Be a fun Narrative time. is the best thing ever. Narrative is the best <laughs> thing. Uh, Danny Webster with us from the Las Vegas Sun. Rest of the season outlook on goaltending. H- how good should we expect Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill? And maybe at some point, Laurent Brossois. Like, how good is the goaltending on this team for the second half of the season? I think the goaltending is decent. I, I do think that at some point, I don't know who it's going to be, but I do think that there's going to be a look warranted at Laurent Brassois with how good he's been in Henderson. I, I do think that, that at some point, if the goaltending gets you know really shoddy over the next you know say a couple weeks, maybe a month, I think that they're eventually going to do that. You know, Logan Thompson, he's been great all season. Aiden Hill's been good when called upon, and obviously I think Aiden Hill's going to go tonight. Um, you know, you look at the numbers, and Logan Thompson has been giving up a lot of goals lately. Aiden Hill has kind of been up and down as well, but he's been racking up wins. Honestly, I do think that if you get to later on down the season, Logan Thompson is going to be the number one guy, and I think you can trust him to lead your team into the playoffs. But I do think at some point with the way Persuade is playing in Anderson, you do have to warrant taking a look at him. What has been the key, um, especially with a lot of these injured guys out to their special teams, especially the power play being so good? They just move the puck so quickly on the power play. It's not like where they just hold the puck, wait for someone to get open, and eventually fire a shot. Now these guys have been really good at knowing when to take the shot, when the right opportunity is, and they're getting pucks off the stick quickly. And you look at it, the Amadio goal last night, it's a little simple movement up top. And then Amadio, he's not really known for his one-timer, but he gets the shot and he fires it and he scores. And it's those kinds of plays that you didn't see for the last couple of years. It's those kinds of situations that Bruce Cassidy has kind of instilled in this group and with power play drills all the time, getting the puck off the stick quickly. And it's really paid off where I think, I, I can't remember the number exactly, but I think it's about a 40% clip or something like that over the last number of games. It's, it's, really remarkable to see this team operate on the power play even with two of their best weapons out if uh alec martinez misses time uh who else is playing as a defenseman for this team uh you know what ben hutton is he still an option or is he i haven't been able to keep up with what's going on in the blue line i think probably ben hutton you probably call up Caden korzak you probably try and call up somebody i i i think this the way that the defensemen are dropping like flies right now is kind of insane. And you hope he's not missing an extended period of time because you're already down two of your top, essentially two of your top four. So now you got to hope that you can just continue to fill by committee. And it looks like it might be another one of the young guys. Cause if you're already dipping into the pool with Braden McCall, then I, I don't know what you're doing at that point. Did you have your Luca Jersey on last night? Uh, you know what? I didn't because I turned on the game when they were down nine with 33 seconds ago, but I probably should have <laughs> oh, no. at the last minute. <laughs> oh, I, no. Are the Mavs going to get Lucas some help? <laughs> what are they doing over here? Tyler, I've been asking that question to myself for the last 15 to 20 years, even with <laughs> Dirk. You know, I've been asking myself the, the same question, and it hasn't happened. And 
I don't know how much often I can hope for 2011 to repeat itself, but th- this team needs to get this guy some help. Which Dallas area team do you have more confidence in, the Rangers or the Mavericks? Oof. You know what? The fact that the Rangers keep signing every single pitcher known to man right now, I, I have more faith in the rotation actually winning 82 games this year as opposed to 81. So <laughs> I think I think I'm going to go with the Rangers at the moment, but at least the Mavs will make the playoffs, and when they get Luka in the playoffs, it's all all bets are off. Well, he is Danny Webster from the Las Vegas Sun. Danny, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate Thanks, it. Uh, so there's Danny Webster on the Golden Knights and a little Dallas bit of kid. Dallas sports. Because oh, yeah, Dallas sports. The Mavericks have Luka and nothing else. And the Rangers, back-to-back off seasons, are like, we're going to spend money. Could be the stars. Don't know if it's going to work. Yeah, well, probably is. This. I mean, they're in first place, so. It probably Could should be, be the stars, but it's hockey. It's a dumb sport. It's like the number one seed doesn't matter. They'll be the one seed I just, somehow. There's no qu- how much I want DeBoer to play them. It would be fun. would be, be a lot hilarious. of fun. Western Conference Final, DeBoer yes, against, against the Golden Knights. Against the Golden great. Knights, really, not Cassidy. Right. He just got the job. Oh, could we get Cassidy calling DeBoer a clown like Gerard Gallant did? That'd be fun. <laughs> I don't feel like Cassidy's that type of coach. I don't but, think he's doing that. But come on, doing call that. him a clown. Read that clown. What did he say? Read that clown in the newspaper yes. or something like that? Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> be phenomenal. Come on, Cassidy. Give us some Pete DeBoer track. He'd probably be nice and be like, oh, he's a great coach over oh, there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I want What a some. job he's done in his first year we over need, over there. All right. We definitely need Pete DeBoer against the Golden Knights in the postseason. Cassidy against the Bruins. Bruce Cassidy was like tearing up when they did his little tribute video. I feel like maybe he doesn't like the guys that actually got rid of him, but I don't feel like he has any ill will towards the Bruins. He probably looks back and is like, oh, no. it's a great time. So let me ask you this, because there might be some ill will on the other side. Will the Knights get Pete DeBoer a tribute video? Uh, yeah, they play here. Uh, well, well, they, they haven't played here yet. That's true. Didn't uh, they give Cody yeah. Eakin one? They will. They will. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. All right. They gave Gerard one, right? Okay. Here's here's an important. I don't remember the Gallant one. I don't know if it'll be a video, because you don't exactly have highlights of a coach. Or they'll just introduce him. I, welcome back. I, I almost can guarantee first time out there will they'll be welcome back. welcome back, and they'll show him Pete DeBoer, and they'll put they'll put him on camera. They'll put a little banner graphic up that says Pete DeBoer and whatever right. Golden Knights former head coach something. For sure. I I think they would do a highlight video or a tribute video. They're just like, what's the video going to be of? Right. All right. The, like in, him yelling at a ref? Like, I, that would actually be fun. That would, would enjoy that. What if like, they had uh, shots of him knocking those children over in, in hockey games? <laughs> okay, so that would, now, be that would be great. That would be a great video of him taking out kids at weird rec league games. I, I just want a picture of... I, like, I want a counter in the corner and then a highlight package of each man game lost. Like counting up, <laughs> yeah. we miss you, Pete. <laughs> we miss you up all the way, Pete. On five hundred man games lost. That was the big line last year. That would be good. That would be good. All right, we got tickets to give away. If you want to go see the Golden Knights take on the Florida Panthers in January, we've got a pair of tickets for you. Seven zero two three six four eleven hundred. That's the phone number. Be caller number eight right now at seven zero two three six four eleven hundred. You'll get tickets to go see the Golden Knights and Florida Panthers on January 12th. So call it number 8, 702-364-1100. Hit it hard. Rebound batted around. It's taken by Luka. He hits. He hits. With a second to go as he hits the deck. Tie 115. It worked. At the block. Spinning. Fading. Hitting. 
with 107 to go. The first basket of overtime, 58. You're locked in the press box. You got your $25 yes. from Greg, Greg Salerno. Salerno. Well, the Cowboys, after uh, taking care of the Eagles, 25 bucks from Greg Salerno on the Venmo. Yeah. yeah, you didn't have to get the Starbucks gift card. I'll run it back with them if they play in the playoffs. I'll run it back to them, to be fair, because it'll be in Philly. So I'll run it back for them. To be fair. Yeah. Listen to you. You're so nice. I know, to be fair. Uh, but I'm more interested in you get on your Venmo. And what else did you see on your Venmo? I did not see this before, <laughs> but for some reason, pending... Bridget Lynn, my beautiful daughter, has requested $25, and all she put was a heart by it. <laughs> is there a date? Or is it just this morning your daughter went? No, it was like a week ago. She needed that 25 bucks. Good for her. So she didn't ask you in person for this $25? was not she here last week? Yeah, she. well, she's been here. She's still here. <laughs> now she's making requests on Venmo? Unbelievable. Well, I'm going to start gonna requesting money from you on Venmo. Say. You might accidentally mess up and send me the $25. I'm sending it to Bridget. Wait a minute. That's not Bridget. I was hoping. Bischoff, Bridget, same. I was hoping that she like saw just now you get oh, he's $25. Got money. Yeah, exactly. And request, hey, just give that to give me, it please. To me. How on brand would that be for your financials, Ed, that as soon as like your check hits, you get a request from your daughter for the exact amount of your check, and you're like, "Does she have access to my bank yeah. account?" Well, given uh, uh, the wonderful wife at home, I don't have access to my bank accounts, so you, you have to send a Venmo yes, request to, to get to it. my wife to uh, you know for like ten bucks. So uh, no, that's um, good. The other part she does is she likes to get in the wallet uh, and take my Starbucks cards. She goes physically into the wallet and takes sure. a Starbucks card. Well, and then she'll come into the kitchen and say, is this okay? You I already gave, got it. I gave a- you one for Christmas. I know. Is she using it? She has. <laughs> she got her chai, and she thanks you. <laughs> yes. She thanks you, yes. She'll just walk around what? the house and find me and say, is this okay? And like be holding it up. I'll say, I guess so. Oh, so she's holding up the card. She's not holding up the purchased Starbucks. No, no then she comes right? home drinking her Starbucks. Yeah, she's asking permission <laughs> to steal. Yeah, the Starbucks card. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, what are you gonna do? Did you see the Waffle House fight video? Which one from Christmas? I did not. Oh, it's a good one. Where? Which Waffle House? Uh, I think it's in Atlanta. Um, those are good Waffle Houses. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a good one. No idea what caused the fight no clue but it's a solid You're at a waffle house solid 2 minute video that's a good point just two people uh no 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 oh huge there is a table of it's like four women and they for whatever reason start arguing with uh two of the employees for at waffle house and one of the customers jumps up on like the bar top counter to go over back into the kitchen and she completely eats it, falls right off straight into the ground. And the Waffle House something employee, a little bit about that. she comes over and just starts wailing on her. The one who fell down. Just punching her in the head after this lady fell down. And then uh, more of the customers come in to try to fight and break it up. And, and of it, course, someone's filming the entire thing. Absolutely. Multiple people are. And um, there's some employees and customers trying to like break it up, but they're not doing a very good job of it. Uh, but the end of the video is one of the customers 
throws a chair. Oh, that's that is oh, peak. That's peak at Waffle the House. employee. <laughs> and this lady that's working at Waffle House gets a chair thrown at her, and just like stiff arms it aside. <laughs> Like, You're the third person to throw that chair at me this week. Like, imagine a superhero movie where yes. somebody throws, like, I don't know, a weapon, a spear, and they just, like, brush Toss it, it aside. off. They threw a whole damn metal chair at this lady, and she just knocks it to the ground. And then, lady goes and grabs another chair to throw at her, and the Waffle House employee gives her the bring it sign oh, with her no. hands. It's like, yeah, throw another one. Let's see what happens now. Oh. Phenomenal video. No idea what they're fighting over, but it's Waffle House, and I imagine that lady's going to be employee of the month. Yes, with her picture in a framed yes. picture on top of the wall. It's the only franchise where like that sort of viral marketing doesn't backfire. Oh, not like, at all. It doesn't make, it doesn't More make people... people are going to Waffle House <laughs> yes, today that after one, to seeing you that. See something yes, like that. I unfortunately never saw a physical fight. In a Waffle House. I've plenty of verbal fights where they start yelling about whatever the hell they put on their plate. I don't even know half the time. But I never saw an actual physical fight at a Waffle House in Mississippi. I don't think I've ever been in one in a Waffle House, but the parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) You've been in one. Yeah. Actually, more than one. There have been two altercations. one One time in Albuquerque. Yes, you did tell us One that. Time, but did not get breakfast. You didn't get the waffle. Yeah, no. you didn't get breakfast <laughs> no, at all. No, exactly. It's Waffle House, I know, Ed. I know. It's that what you get a burger? Wait, some kind of sandwich. Were you sober? Yes. Was, uh, I was but there. He didn't even do He did none I of didn't the do steps. It, I didn't right. do what I was supposed to do. Was it during the day? No. Okay. It was so after it was, a game I covered. So is it, it was at least at like one, two o'clock in the morning. It. Yeah, I mean, okay. It was, it was so you got one out late. of the three yeah, things you late. need. See, okay, here's I think the key to Waffle House. Like, we don't have Waffle House here. No, but damn near everything's open 24 hours. in In Mississippi, there's there's like nothing. And that's in open Missouri and hours. in Tennessee, it's like there's a Walmart, Walmart. there's a Waffle House, Denny's, and I, and I think we had yeah, there's Denny's, but eh, I don't think I ever went to Denny's. And like we had a we had like one Whataburger. And, like, that was it. Like, you got to 10 o'clock at night, and those are the only three things that are open anymore. Whereas, like, here, if we had a Waffle House here, it probably wouldn't be that ridiculous because everything else is open. Everything else is open, yeah, 24 hours a day. But when you're in Mississippi, and I assume, as Jared says, Missouri, 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock at night, what are you doing? You're going to Waffle House. And so is everybody else. You've been asked to leave the Walmart. By the security guard, <laughs> and the Taco Bell closes at two a.m. <laughs> it's Waffle House or nothing, and it's you. It's it's the best part is if you really want to learn like what a melting pot this country is, you've got rich people, you've got poor people, you have everyone of every race and ethnicity, all hammered right at Waffle House. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's a great location. Great setup for cities that don't have things open twenty four hours a day. Surprised we don't have one. Is there is there like a Edict? Uh, I don't know what Because for a long time, there were no Chick-fil-A's here. Yeah, I don't know what the situation is as to why...
Vegas doesn't have a Waffle House. Maybe I we don't have a you, need for it. Yeah. They're like, yeah, everything else not, is open. Everything's open right. in 24 hours. Right. So they're like, oh, our, our niche is taken in Las Vegas. <laughs> By everybody else. We can't actually exploit the people that are up drunk at 2 a.m. that just want to eat anything. I've got to go see the video. Obviously, it's viral. It's a great video. Phenomenal video. This employee is a superstar, and I hope she doesn't face any punishment, and they put her picture up on the wall at every Waffle House across the country. <laughs> across it's country. great.